What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello. Just wanted to give a quick disclaimer that my audio in this episode isn't great because at the time of recording, my computer decided to record out of my headset microphone instead of my nice professional microphone. And it doesn't sound horrible, but it's not ideal. I hope you can just get past this and enjoy the episode for what it is. And I'm terribly, terribly sorry. But before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, I'm very excited to announce that new merch is live. We've got a Ludo Bagman shirt. We've got a basketball Quidditch snitch pin. We've got a bony pony sticker. We've got a Ludo Bagman pin. We've got the wizard on pins back in stock. So much good stuff. If you head on over to bit.ly slash merch on, you can get all of that wonderful goodness. If you are a patron, you get 15% off. And if you are a $10 and above patron, you get 20% off. And those codes live at patreon.com slash So go and get that new merch because it's wonderful. Shout out to all of the artists that made all of these wonderful merchandise items possible. Thanksgiving is coming up, unless this episode is more than four days old, but today, unless this episode is more than zero days old, is Thank You Patrons Day, a secret holiday that Patreon came up with for all of creators to thank all of the supporters on Patreon. I speak for not only myself, not only for all of Multitude, but everyone on Patreon, that you patrons really mean a lot and do so much for us. For me, you have turned Potterless from a hobby into a future career, and that is ridiculous, and I cannot thank you all enough. I hope you enjoy the bonus content, but I know it is not enough to fully express how grateful and thankful I really am. So thank you all so much. And speaking of thanks, we have new patrons to welcome to the team. So shout out to Anna Lillis, Mira Keegland, Emery, Philorians United, Shauna Boley, Steph Winters, Shay Lang, Callie Van Wagenen, Katie T, Heather Marizza, Vodi Chaban, Professor Threat, Julie Gambill, Lee Shin Hui, Rebecca Beaver, Tiffany Ann Shepanitz, Permil, Christine Solomon, Alexander Veneslo, Nav Gunti, Maya Kelp, Levy Boyer, Bavi Patel, Danielle Muller, Jacob Peterson, Sam Lopez, Giudata, Matt. Max Tran, Alicia Madlangbian, Shelby Lieberger, and Stephanie Silva. A special shout out to Tara Crothers. A shout out to Adam Graham, Morgan Francis, Cody Seip, and Andrea Kroc, who upgraded their pledge. A huge shout out to Sammy Curti, who upgraded to producers. And a huge shout out to the rest of our new producer level patrons Raul Pineda, Ingun Oddstadter, Mary Wynn, Brianne Wingate, Heidi Stoll, and Alexandra Consulver. They join the ranks of Leanne, Vicky, Aaron, Erica, Calvin, Sadie, Jesse, Natalie, Deborah Clow, Alex, Frank, Marchismo, Tori, Samantha, Juan, Jenna, Kieran, Luis, Rebecca, Abid, Caitlin, Benjamin, Rosemary, Jill, Marie, Lisa. Ariel, Romina, Kumail, Anthony, Russell, Jenny, Dustin, Katie, Audra, Indiana, Eleanor, Sydney, Billy, Rossanne, Micah, Andrea, Nikita, Colette, Chrissy, Shrina, Lala, Chelsea, Taylor, Lovekesh, Shivani, Ali, Calmage, Cassandra, Roxy, Amelia, Sean, Jeremiah, Sarah, Jesus, Ben, Francisco, Rachel, Marcus, Zachary, Gabrielle, Jessica, Natalie, Arna, Brandy, Melody, Kristen, Jonathan, Zach, Elisa, Daisy, Jessica, Orchid, Jonathan, Joe, Isabel, Steve, Vivian, Samuel, Victoria, Elena, Takari, Darlene, Brenna, Jackie, Drake, James, Haley, Marino, Braden, Matthew, Taylor, Hannah, Angelina, Rosemary, Peter, Maria, Fonas, Natalie, Hermione, Victoria, Lee, Alex, Brian, Caitlin, Cecily, Raul, Julie, Mosin. Grace and can't I Potter? Who never accidentally grab a hot pan without oven mitts. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus content like director's commentary, bonus episodes, those discounts on the merch I talked about earlier, all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash potterless. And finally, a shout out to Happy Leather Goods Company, a business run by husband and wife TJ and Alana. They just launched a Kickstarter for their awesome products. They make custom leather items. They made like leather stickers and a leather mouse pad for potterless. And I have a bunch of them. They're really cool, awesome stuff. If you want to find out more about it, go to bit.ly slash happy leather co to support their Kickstarter. And if you're listening in the future after November 2018, that's okay. It'll go to their shop. So without further ado, let's get into episode 55 of Potterless covering chapter 26 of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, guest starring my best bud, Johnny Frolicstein. Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another edition of Potterless, the tale of a grown man 
reading the Harry Potter series for the very first time. My name is Mike Schubert, I'm that grown man, and I'm here joined by one of my bestest buds from college and someone you may have known from some bonus content that I've put up on Patreon from Maturity Corner and Snitches Get Stitches. It's everybody's best friend, Johnny Frolicstein. Johnny, how's it going? It's really good, Mike. I'm really excited that you decided to have me on. Well, you called dibs on these chapters within days after I started the podcast. I think you committed to me like mid book one that we could do this. And you had no clue what this thing was going to be, so now you're stuck with your stupid college friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm very honored to have you on. And not every guest needs to have a podcast or some sort of presence on the internet. And I think that your commentary is going to be phenomenal, especially given how many dumb jokes we made when we did our Maturity Corner stuff on Patreon. I have high, high hopes. A shameless plug, truly. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's some good stuff. We're going to just get it right off the bat going because chapter 26, The Cave, has so many things happening in it that uh, we need to just go. Otherwise, this episode is going to be 1,200 hours, especially given how many dumb jokes we're going to make. So The Cave begins with Harry and Dumbledore apparating in and kind of shows the area ahead. And Dumbledore is explaining that where they are currently standing is like on this rocky sort of terrain. And he thinks that this is where the orphans were taken to get some sea air. But as far as where Tom Riddle took those kids into the cave, he thinks that they're the only people to ever go down there. He doesn't think that the orphans ever went down there or that it was safe or anything like that. I love when he's talking about the journey and he points to where the cave entrance is and he says something along the lines of like, Tom Riddle used to take his orphans there to, you know, fuck with them. <laughs> alone would have done it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much what he says is like, the only way that anybody could get to this cave, the only way that anyone could get to this cave would be such a dangerous journey in itself that they would die. Right. Especially if you're talking about kids, because what's Tom Riddle, eight years old when he's doing this? If these kids are going without the help of magic, which Dumbledore suspects is how they were able to survive this journey, I don't know that they're going to be able to be, you know, descending a rocky mountain. I have a hard enough time hiking, and I'm a grown man. So I don't think these eight-year-old kids could just be like, oh, yeah, sure, let me just free climb without any harnesses the way down this mountain. What was he doing to these kids in this cave? <laughs> Kelly and I had a very lengthy discussion about it, and it's supposed to be something that's obviously so unspeakable. And J.K. Rowling said, I believe in interviews or online or somewhere, that it's one of the things that is too evil for her to describe. Someone mentioned it before in an episode. I think it was Melissa and Ellie said that one of the things that they won't describe is like, what happened to Bertha Jorkins? One of the things is this. And then one of the things is something in regards to a horcrux. A horcrux, which you know what it is now. Which now I know what it is. Yeah, Three after, you know, years of not knowing. <laughs> but Kelly and I were trying to think about what it was. What, like, what would be so bad? Because we talk about murder in these stuff and we brought up that like maybe it's some sort of molestation sexual abuse thing but that wouldn't really make sense because it doesn't really seem like Voldemort's MO and there he's eight. Not his MO? I mean it just like it doesn't seem like a type of evil that he is invested in. Yes it's a form of power but it doesn't really seem like uh, something that he kept doing. It's not that he anything that he does still but the one thing that I did start to think after reading this chapter given what the potion is because we don't learn in the chapter what the potion was doing to Dumbledore, and I don't know if we learned it later, but at least I currently don't know what that potion did. But it was described as Dumbledore twitching in the face as if he was witnessing a nightmare. So I'm guessing it's either some sort of hallucinogenic thing or something that is just a mental torture that just does the worst kind of thing to you. And I could just see Tom Riddle doing something to these kids where he's either giving him some sort of like hallucinogenic thing that just is the worst thing they could ever imagine. Like, it's this thing where it makes it seem like their parents are getting brutally murdered or something like that. Or it's like uh, from Batman Begins when the Scarecrow hits you with the My, thing. They're, they're orphans. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe it's just showing them a bunch of things of like, this is how, you know, some sort of mental trick where it's like, this is how your parents died. Or it's like a Scarecrow from Batman Begins thing where it's just showing you your worst fear and he just yeah. did that to them on absolute repeat and just kind of tormented them that way incessantly. That's the only other thing I can guess based on the potion. That memory is so good. It was good, but I'm very glad they replaced Katie Holmes with Maggie Gyllenhaal. She was so much better. Yes, that is very, very true. But, <laughs> oh my God, of the three movies in that trilogy, Batman Begins is like way, way underrated. It is underrated for sure, but 
It's, it's good stuff. Anyway, Harry Potter. So they <laughs> they are going on this journey, and basically Dumbledore says, let's go, and they start to climb on down, I'm assuming with the help of magic to make it possible. Harry notes that Dumbledore kind of looks like a spry young man as he climbs down this mountain, which I think is great. We get so many cool Dumbledores in this chapter. We get smart Dumbledore. We get oh. athlete Dumbledore. We get... <laughs> We get a lot of good Dumbledores. Uh, I, the next chapter, we get Ice in the Veins Dumbledore. Yeah. Uh, it's so good. So they climb down, and they basically get to a point where there's water, and they have to swim. And at this point, I was audiobooking it with my friend Katie, who's very invested in Harry Potter. And while we were listening to this, I asked her, why didn't they just apparate down to the bottom of the cliff? Like, why are they at the top? And then Dumbledore's like, well, now time to go through this really rough and treacherous hike. And then Katie was like, uh, are you expecting them to apparate into a body of water? And I was like, okay, sorry. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so hard because I don't know if you could really predict where you landed, but like, what if they apparated 30 feet or I don't know, 20,000 leagues under the water and I can't swim up. <laughs> My thing is like, they describe this water as icy and black, and yet Harry, like, is able to follow Dumbledore underneath the opening into the cave, and then, like, all the way in. And I have no clue how he could follow him. Oh, because Dumbledore swam with his wand with Lumos out, like, between his teeth. So are you telling me Harry's opening his eyes in this icy, jet black, cold water? Uh, <laughs> I was imagining him doing kind of like, not a doggy paddle, but kind of like a breaststroke thing where you keep your head above. Because if the water's that cold, I wouldn't want to put my face under the water. So okay. I think it's probably some sort of swimming technique where he's keeping his head above water. But you know what swimming technique we do learn about? Dumbledore, because he's described as doing, quote, a perfect breaststroke, which <laughs> I, I so love. <laughs> he just launches right into it. So maybe Harry was mimicking the breaststroke. <laughs> I want to see, I want to see Dumbledore in the Olympics doing the breaststroke. <laughs> the man's full of surprises. I want to see the, the medley where it's Michael Phelps and uh, Dumbledore <laughs> on the same swim team. Duking it out. Yeah, Michael Phelps taking home the butterfly with, with, with Dumbledore oh, anchoring yeah. with, with his perfect breast. <laughs> <laughs> so Harry puts the cloak in his pocket, which I found very suspect. Either his pockets are enormous or the cloak is so magical they can be very compact. But how do you shove an entire invisibility cloak, which covers the entirety of Harry Potter's body, into a pocket. I think this is not the first time this has come up in terms of him it is not. putting his invisibility cloak like in his shoe or something. Like, he's stupid. Yeah, I'm guessing the invisibility cloak can just become really compact. Or the other thing to consider is that their pockets have to be big enough to hold wands. Oh, and fair his point. wand is like 11 inches long. So in theory, he has a foot-long pocket, <laughs> which sounds horrible. <laughs> he has to swim with that too. But yeah, anyways, and yeah. while I was reading this, I was asking Katie, I was like, why, why didn't Dumbledore tell him to pack a bathing suit? Why is he making him swim in heavy clothes? And then she was like, just wait. And I was like, oh, he's going to do a warm charm, isn't he? <laughs> but still, it can't be fun to swim in all those clothes. It's got to be really hard. Have you ever tried to swim in, like, jeans? Yeah, it's brutal. It's not fun. It's brutal. If you ever get pushed in a pool while you're wearing clothes, swimming in your clothes is not fun by any means. I mean, I guess wizards don't really have wetsuits. And you wouldn't just want a swimsuit for this icy, cold, treacherous swim, right? You want, like, a full wetsuit, which I would love to see Dumbledore. <laughs> Dumbledore... <laughs> It is perfect breaststroke with a full wetsuit. <laughs> it's got the Speedo one that was banned from the Olympics for being too <laughs> water repellent. That would be amazing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the other thing is Harry could have just packed some gillyweed and he could have been like, vroom, and just swim on through. It worked pretty well in Goblet of Fire. Except can you can you breathe air when you've taken gillyweed? Because you have gill... I don't know if you can. Oh, yeah, and then it lasts for a while, and then Dumbledore would be like, oh, Harry, can you turn back into a human already? Jeez, we've got a task. Like hang in the cold water for a while. Anyways, now that we've spent 10 minutes on the logistics of getting in the cave. <laughs> yeah, I like that I was like, oh man, we really got to get into this and we've been <laughs> bullshitting for 10 minutes. Hope you guys are really strapped in for this five-hour episode of Potter. <laughs> so you mentioned that wizards don't need swimsuits. You know what else they don't need? Towels. Oh, you're so right. <laughs> they just don't need towels. No, they don't. no need for towels. So they keep swimming and eventually they get to the cave. Dumbledore says that it has known magic throughout the cave. What a cool fucking line. What does that really, mean? What the really? What does that I, mean? Who knows? Dumbledore, there's a lot of uh, Deus Ex Dumbledore in this chapter where it's just like, oh yeah, Dumbledore knows what's up. And that's how we're going to move explanations along. He's so badass in these chapters. Every single climax to this point has had to get Dumbledore out of the way somehow. Mm -hmm. In the second book, he, you know, gets taken away from Hogwarts. In the fifth book, 
you know, he reappears later, but he also is like has to, is on the run from the law for a while. Mm-hmm. In the fourth book, he's obviously not a champion. Yes. I guess in the first book, he like has to go to the ministry one day, and that's the day they happen to try to get the stone. <laughs> um, but in the sixth book, it's like all eyes on Dumbledore for the climax, and we get to like watch him work, and it's so fucking cool. Yeah, it's strange that it's taken us six books for Dumbledore to be in the main action. We kind of got it in five when he comes back and has the duel with Voldemort, and it's amazing. But I guess you could say that is the climax of the action in the book, but he wasn't a part of it at all until he comes in and is like, I'm going to fight you now. Whereas this one, we're getting the whole buildup just throughout the book. Dumbledore is there slowly building to this Horcrux adventure, and then it happens, and it's nuts. Yeah, it's it's so so good. good. It's so good. Mm -hmm. Dumbledore then has another all-star quote, which is, we need to penetrate further into the (laughs) inner place. Uh, Whoa there, bud. Uh, Penetrate further into the inner place. J.K. Rowling wrote that sentence and then said, yup, and and then passed it along to her editor. And then they said, yep. And then one guy raised his hand and was like, maybe we shouldn't use penetrating. Like, get your mind out of the gutter, Bill. <laughs> like, oh, uh, I mean, this is a very common Jake Rowling thing. As I've pointed out, she loves to use the word ejaculate and grope. <laughs> Just penetrate. And then Same. it's not the first time. It's not the first time that Dumbledore says penetrate. He says it a couple more times in this chapter. He's like, we gotta penetrate further into this cave. Oh, come on. Come on. So Dumbledore knows that there is a secret entrance. Harry doesn't really question it. And Dumbledore starts to open the door with magic. He sees it and starts to do this thing where the outline of it starts to show up. And Harry goes, oh, you've done it. But he says it with chattered teeth. And Dumbledore basically goes, oh, right. And hits him <laughs> with the charm that warms his clothes. He's and- so nice about it. He's like, Harry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, my bad, dude. Ah, oh, shit, what am I doing? And then he does it. What I love about the charm, though, is that it's described basically like getting clothes hot out of the dryer. And I think this is a charm I would do anytime I put a blanket on me. Like I'm just sitting on the couch and I would do whatever this spell is and then put a blanket on you. Can you imagine the constant ability to get stuff feeling like it came fresh out the dryer without either A, having to take the time to put stuff in the dryer or B, having to pay the electricity bill for running your dryer all the damn time? Dude, in in, in that vein, like what sort of mundane... Like, non-essential spell, which you just give anything to do. Like, your one spell that's not, like, stunning or crucio or anything like that, but, like, something that's, like, super mundane and wouldn't affect your life that much. But, like, man, you could have a warm blanket every time you lay in your bed. I was asked a similar question in one of the live streams, and obviously things like apparition is very easy so that, you know, I'm, I'm just constantly, like, running late for stuff. So maybe in that vein, if I could just do some sort of thing where I was just like, my hair looks perfect and it doesn't get messed up. Probably something like that, where I could just like, you always just have a perfect hair day and then you don't need to, you know, spend time adjusting your hair or putting in more product or doing whatever. Just be like, all right, cool, that's done. Because then that saves time where I'm blow drying my hair, putting in stuff, combing it, blah, 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 worrying about it. The struggles of me. <laughs> do you want to wa- launch a shampoo line called Wingardium Levio Suave? Yes, let's do it. Let's, all right, thank you guys so much for listening. Johnny and I have a very important business to attend to. <laughs> so after Dumbledore does this, he gets back to doing the door thing. And after he makes it appear, he realizes that the door requires blood, which Dumbledore believes Voldemort put into place so that your enemy will be weakened by the time that they enter if they're trying to progress further through the cave. Dumbledore again uses this as an opportunity to criticize Voldemort's obsession with physical harm, again saying that Voldemort is just far too obsessed with it and doesn't realize that there are more harmful things that you can do to someone than just physically affecting them. I love the sort of I expected better out of him tone. <laughs> he's like he's like a disappointed father. <laughs> I'm not mad at the terms you've used. I'm just disappointed. Hi, disappointed. I'm Voldemort. Harry offers to cut his arm instead. Dumbledore protests, saying that since Harry's blood is more valuable, he shouldn't do it. Dumbledore basically just shanks his arm and lets the blood go out. And I have to give props to Dumbledore for not cutting his hand. That's always like this dumb movie trope when people have to sacrifice blood for something. They always run the knife along their hand, which is the worst place to give yourself a cut because you're constantly moving your hand and constantly reopening that wound. When people do that in the movies, I never get it. Have you ever had a big cut on the palm of your hand? It takes forever to heal. Yeah, and it's so useful, right? Like, I'm using my hand all the time. All the time. Just 
Put it on your non-dominant hand forearm. When are you ever using your forearm for something? I was gonna say, I use my forearm like once every three months when I put many <laughs> grocery bags and I'm like, fuck the other way. <laughs> one trip, one trip. <laughs> Do some curls with it. <laughs> so the door opens and it is very dark inside, aside from a greenish glowing light. Dumbledore warns to avoid stepping in the water. This, we will see, is a recurring theme. Harry, being an idiot, asks Dumbledore if he thinks that the Horcrux is here, and Dumbledore says yes, which is very polite, because I really expected Dumbledore to be like, well, yes, Harry, <laughs> that's why we're here. Harry asks if they can just Accio the Horcrux, and Dumbledore basically stands back and is like, go for it, <laughs> see what happens. This pissed me off so much yeah. that Harry, like, raises his hand to the greatest wizard of all time, and he's like, uh, could we try, uh... A summoning charm? Uh, <laughs> like, fucking idiot. <laughs> and then Dumbledore is so nice about it. He's like, no, yeah, good idea, Harry. Like, that's really nice. <laughs> He's like a preschool teacher. <laughs> He's just trying to encourage him. So, yes, Harry does Accio Horcrux. And Harry can't necessarily tell what it is because it's so dark, but he sees something rise up from the water. And Harry's like, whoa, something rose up from the water. And Dumbledore corrects it to say some things. He thinks that there is more than one of them. It's some sort of creature, and Dumbledore suspects that there are multiple. At this point, are you like, oh, it's the Inferi from the beginning of the book? <laughs> no, I did not think that immediately. But I did get it once Harry's like, there's bodies in the water. And I thought, oh, oh, oh. Because <laughs> I forgot that they existed because I remember they made a big deal about them earlier in the books and I just knew that they were going to come into play later. Uh, I didn't process it until they said that there was, uh, once Harry sees a hand in the water, I was like, oh, yup, yup, here it comes. Not only did they make a big deal out of it, you also made a big deal out of it in that episode. So you were like, oh, those are totally coming back. Oh, I mean, they're too fucking cool to not come back. Are yeah. you kidding me? Just casually be like, oh, yeah, Dumbledore can control an army of the undead. But let's not focus on that for the time being. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Voldemort has a slave army of zombies, and you're we're just going to gloss over this fact? Like, no, we're not. We're going to focus on this. I mean, it seems like, you know, they don't really get brought up a ton. It seems like he's drastically underutilizing these guys. Right? They should just be constantly doing Actually, maybe not. They're super fucking weak. You're just like light a fire <laughs> yeah they really don't like light all you need is a candle and you can make them stay away from you <laughs> harry asked dumbledore if he knew that would happen and dumbledore says well i knew something would happen which is a very polite way to say well yes harry <laughs> duh what do you think i'm stupid harry asks if they have to go in the water for it dumbledore says only if they are unlucky again says don't go in the water <laughs> so Obviously, at this point, we know that at some point in this chapter, Harry's going to go in the water and bad things are going to happen. Harry asks Dumbledore if he thinks that it is at the bottom of the water, and Dumbledore says no, he thinks it's in the middle of the water. Then Dumbledore does some whack shit at a left field that I did not expect would happen. He sticks his fist up, points his wand to his fist, and then a ghostly green chain appears in it, and he pulls out a ghost boat from the water and the only logical conclusion that I can make from this is that it is the Flying Dutchman boat from Spongebob. <laughs> oh, Dumbledore! <laughs> That's so good. It's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> Do you remember the episode when they have to run through the perfume department on the Flying Dutchman? <laughs> There's a lot of good Flying Dutchman ones, uh, with the classic being when Patrick is steering the boat going, <laughs> That's actually what Dumbledore did, too. <laughs> what? <laughs> While they're going on the boat across to the potion thing, they're just going, <laughs> Sorry to alienate anyone who hasn't watched SpongeBob before, but if you haven't, you need to watch okay, SpongeBob. Okay, but if anyone has not watched SpongeBob, what... What are they doing? Because not only is Spongebob a great television show from our childhood, but now every meme on Twitter is Spongebob. Like every single one is Spongebob. So even young kids probably have been binge-watching Spongebob so they can get the jokes of sorts. But anyway, Harry asks how Dumbledore knew to do this, and Dumbledore doesn't explain. It just says, magic always leaves a trace. Which No, that is not the answer to how did you know there was a ghost boat underwater, Dumbledore. This is definitely more pressing than just, I uh, Assumed. I don't know, man. Like, A, time and place, Harry. Like, figure this out later because, you know, you have more pressing things. B, magic always leaves traces is another one of, like, seven just, like, 
hot Dumbledore quips from this chapter that are just fucking awesome. From this chapter alone, he has amazing, amazing He's quotes. so badass in this chapter. Holy shit. <laughs> so Dumbledore's theory is that Tom used this to get across the lake. So they get into the boat and the creatures that are in the lake are chill. They're not being rambunctious as they were when Harry did Accio Horcrux and he asked Dumbledore why. Dumbledore says he thinks Voldemort would know that only a powerful wizard could get the boat out so he wouldn't bother having these creatures attack given that what lies ahead is probably worse than whatever these things would do to attack them. Dumbledore's thought though before they get into the boat is that only one of them can fit in the boat but he thinks that Harry won't count because Voldemort would never suspect a 16 year old to be strong enough to get into the boat or powerful enough to be on this journey. And Harry kind of takes it as an insult a little bit. He kind of hurts his confidence. (laughs) Dumbledore's like, no, 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 Harry. I'm not saying that you're not powerful. I'm saying that Voldemort severely underestimates you. Again, Dumbledore's sort of emotional hand-holding of Harry so far (laughs) in the cave was just astounding to me. I think he just wants to keep Harry on task because he knows that he's going to need Harry to make this work. So he's just doing what he can to keep him in the right mental state because shit's going to hit the fan and Dumbledore (laughs) knows it. So Dumbledore tells Harry to get in and again says, do not touch the water. Dumbledore then hops in afterwards and they travel on the boat across the water. Harry says he thinks he saw a human hand in the water and immediately I knew that this was the Inferi. Harry then goes on to realize it's a full dead man in the water, so more proof. And Dumbledore hits Harry with some foreboding-ass quote where he says, we don't need to worry about them at the moment. (laughs) uh, Why? I don't... I know that Dumbledore usually has a rhyme and reason for not telling Harry some things. He always wants to make sure he is sure about stuff before he says anything. He doesn't want Harry to get distracted or jump to any conclusions. Was there any reason for Dumbledore not to tell Harry, oh yeah, remember the Inferi you learned about before? This is gonna be them, so don't touch the water. I don't get why Dumbledore needs to be coy about this. Don't touch the water. Don't touch the water. Don't touch the water. Why? Don't touch the water. (laughs) So Harry's scared. Dumbledore says, eh, don't worry about it. It's just the fear of the unknown that we have when we think about death and dead bodies. And (laughs) narrator Harry's like, ah, that's dumb. He does not agree with Dumbledore's approach to this. So Dumbledore says, there's nothing to be feared from a body, Harry, any more than there is anything to be feared from the darkness. Lord Voldemort, who, of course, secretly fears both, (laughs) disagrees. fuck do you know that? He knows what? everything about Voldemort. <laughs> he's Dumbledore. Yeah, but you know his like stupid little phobias? Like he's scared of wasps too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's very claustrophobic, Harry. <laughs> Why do you think this cave is so big? <laughs> so Harry then brings up the point, but wait, they got so mad and agitated when we tried to grab the Horcrux and Dumbledore continuing to be very ominous says, they're going to be much more of a problem once we grab it, which, oh, come on, just tell him. (laughs) Just tell him. We all know what's going to happen. Just let him know. So Dumbledore says that they fear light and warmth, aka fire, and Harry realizes, oh, right, okay. This is another part where Dumbledore is like, they fear light and warmth, which we will call to our aid, and then Harry's like, oh, oh, like what? (laughs) It's almost like fire. (laughs) Fire, Harry. And this part made me think, like, can you imagine how much easier this sort of cave spelunking expedition would have been if he had brought Hermione instead of Harry? Oh, my goodness. He wouldn't have had to explain anything. Hermione would have known everything. (laughs) It'd be so much easier. (laughs) Yeah, but would Hermione have been strong enough to force feed Dumbledore the potion while he's screaming, kill me, kill me, kill me? That might be some stuff that only Harry can really fathom. That's a fair point, and probably not, but, like... Mm-hmm. Oh my god, they've taken like so long to just explain shit to Harry this <laughs> chapter. I mean, yes, but to be fair, you got to keep in mind, this is a book where we don't know what the hell is going on. So Harry being really dumb and asking a bunch of dumb questions at least informs the reader of everything. And we at least get Dumbledore to say some amazing quotes out of it. So we got to just take it for what it is. Fine. So then there's a very interesting thing where Dumbledore cheerfully says, nearly there. What is this, a field trip, Dumbledore? (laughs) We're in Voldemort's death lair where he did an unspeakable thing to two orphan children and there are dead bodies that might attack us and all this ominous stuff. And Dumbledore's like, we're almost there, children. What? Like whistling. Yeah, I don't understand. Come on, Dumbledore, you gotta read the room. Might as well be that it's a small world boat 
at Disney World. <laughs> that would be a fun ride to put in Harry Potter World. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a small world, but instead of being cute and adorable, it is haunting and terrifying, and it's just this. <laughs> I'm in. Past Mike, calm down, take a breather, because it's time for Wingardium Adridosa. Today's episode is brought to you by another podcast I've created, Meddling Adults. Meddling Adults is a whodunit game show for charity where I serve as the host and guests compete head-to-head in a contest of solving children's mysteries from classics like Encyclopedia Brown, Scooby-Doo, and Shelby Woo, and whoever scores the most points earns money for a charity of their choosing. Points are awarded for correct guesses, bonus points are given out for absurd accusations, and you can play along at home to test your sleuthing prowess against the wits of fictional young detectives. You can listen to Meddling Adults by searching for Meddling Adults wherever you get your podcasts or going to our website, meddlingadults.com. I hope you check it out and happy sleuthing. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally. So if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are. So it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want. And then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me. And then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to ArenaClub.com slash Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's ArenaClub.com slash Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So if you collect some cards or reopen some packs in a more transparent way, whether you're a sports nerd or Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. So Dumbledore warns Harry again not to touch the water. This is the third time that he's done so. (laughs) So I wonder if Harry's going to touch the water. They cross the water. They get to the source of the light, which is a stone basin, much like the pensive, but it's the evil pensive. Harry asks what it is. Dumbledore says he's not sure, but it's much more worrisome than blood and bodies. Dumbledore reaches out his burnt hand to try and touch it. Harry goes, no, 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 don't. And Dumbledore says, I can't. And Harry is confused, he tells Harry to try, and when Harry goes to try to reach out, it's as if an invisible barrier kind of stops him from touching the potion itself. Dumbledore then starts trying to do a bunch of spells with his wand, and nothing happens. Harry asks if Dumbledore thinks the Horcrux is in there. Dumbledore says yes. Harry, again, like... (laughs) (laughs) Of course! It's like, so stupid, this chapter. (laughs) (laughs) He is a toddler. Uh, So Dumbledore then explains that he was trying to do a bunch of stuff to remove the potion, all sorts of things to get the liquid out of the basin, and it wasn't working. Dumbledore then comes to the conclusion that the only way to get rid of it is to drink it, of course. (laughs) So when Dumbledore said this, that, well, clearly the point of this potion is that it is meant for someone to drink it, I thought (laughs) Dumbledore was going to turn to Harry and be like, 
hold my feet, Harry, and then do a keg stand <laughs> on this evil pensive. <laughs> like, just chug it. Like, count me down, Harry. So we've already got <laughs> athlete Dumbledore. We gotta get frat Dumbledore. <laughs> and then, like, weak Dumbledore. This is such a good chapter for Dumbledore personalities. So many <laughs> I love frat Dumbledore. <laughs> Uh, make sure you keep uh, keep a record. See if I can beat my like high score. Beats his chest and like wipes his beard <laughs> off after he's done. Like, what if what if that was the actual test where it's just a pensive full of beer and then you just have to <laughs> keg stand it faster than Tom Riddle did and then if you beat it you get the Horcrux. Beat my high score and keg stand and you can get my part of my soul. Can you imagine if you had to care for Dumbledore if he got too drunk and like hold his hair and his beard back? <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, hold my hair, Harry. Uh, if yeah, drunk Dumbledore, he would just start spilling the Drunkledore? beans. Drunkledore, so oh, He would just start spilling the beans on all of these secrets from many, many, many years and all walks of life. Man, in my consideration in impersonating drunk Dumbledore, I really had to be careful to not spoil anything for you. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> That's the constant struggle of every guest on Potterless. When he actually does the reveal to tell Harry that he thinks it has to be drunk, he conjures a goblet out of thin air, and Harry goes, what? Which I did a hard scene. So basically, he just decides that what they have to do is just scoop the potion into the cup and then drink it. Obviously, it's going to take lots of fillings of the cup since this is an entire basin. And Dumbledore explains to Harry, look, you gotta make me force drink this no matter what. You really have to do it no matter what I say. Harry at first is apprehensive, thinking that it might kill him or anything dangerous like that. Dumbledore says, Voldemort wouldn't want to kill the person who entered this cave. And Harry. the narrator goes, Harry couldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so great. Harry butts in very politely and he tries actively to make his voice not sound condescending or mean when he just goes, but sir. And Dumbledore has to say, sorry, I should say he wouldn't want to kill the person immediately. He would want to find out what they did to penetrate <clears throat> again, penetrate the magic oh, yeah, and why they were so intent on emptying the basin. Keep in mind, Voldemort thinks he alone knows about his horcruxes. That's like pretty brilliant logic. Mm -hmm. We're getting the sort of short-sighted Harry versus big picture Dumbledore right here, which is pretty dope. We definitely have the yin and the yang of the approaches to this situation. Yeah. Dumbledore thinks that the potion will prevent him from getting the horcrux in some manner, whether it just prevents him from taking it or causes him too much pain where he gets distracted or paralyzes him, etc. So basically he's like, Harry, you can't drink any of this. You got to get the Horcrux. I'm going to be in a very bad place once I'm I start drinking this. I'm going to be wasted. This is ever clear. I'm going to be drunk. Listen to his description. His description is, I might forget why I was here. It might create so much pain that I'm distracted. It might render oh, yep. me incapable in some other way. He thinks he's going to get wasted. Yep, this is, yep, I'm living in this canon <laughs> world now. So Dumbledore says it's Harry's job to make sure he keeps drinking, even if his mouth protests. AKA, don't let me be a bitch, Harry. Don't let me pussy <laughs> out. So, fuck yeah. The narrator then says, their pale faces were looking over the green basin, which I've realized is the cover of the book. I always thought that the cover of the book was them looking over the pensive because there's so many pensive trips that happen, but the fact that they mentioned the green light and the whole cover, at least of the US version that I have, is them with a green light around them looking over it. Good I realized call. that, right? Good call. I thought the I never whole thought time that. that it was the pensive. That's a great point. It's a great little twist. So Dumbledore repeatedly forces Harry to give him his word that he will make him keep drinking. It's very reminiscent of when Dumbledore was telling Harry before they even went on the journey, yo, you gotta listen to everything I say. So Dumbledore fills the goblet. Right before he starts to drink, he says, you're good health, Harry. Like he tests it. And this is so, uh, so good. Just, he's so good. He's such a badass. He's such a badass. He like knows he's about to go through some horrific experience and just like, yeah. you're good health, Harry. It's so good. <laughs> it's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. So he fills the goblet, drains it, does it again, does a third one, and then halfway through the fourth one, he staggers and falls forward. That's about when I go too. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually about the time when you start to be in a bad place if you have three <laughs> drinks. That's when you, you know, at least I start to start feeling it. I mean, he had three shots like 
real quick. Yeah, rapid succession. So this is the part where it says Dumbledore's face was twitching as if he was asleep but having a horrible nightmare. Yeah, been there. Dumbledore speaks in a voice that Harry doesn't recognize because he's never heard Dumbledore Drunk. be scared oh. before. <laughs> <laughs> and this is something that really bothered me with the fifth movie is that when Dumbledore is fighting Voldemort, he seems scared at points in the fight and he doesn't look confident. And the whole thing that made that fight so great in the book is that it really describes Dumbledore as being fully confident and nonchalant when he's fighting Voldemort. Like he could have done it in his sleep. He could have done all of that. Yeah, it mentions just that he's very lackadaisical in his wand movements, doing a lot of hexes and jinxes where he doesn't seem very intense in his casting of them. And in the movie, he just struggled so much and put a lot of effort into it. And I thought it just killed the whole vibe of that fight. It made me really sad that they played it out that way. And to your point, the reason that these couple of chapters leading up to his death are so striking is because you're seeing this sort of vulnerability in Dumbledore that you've never seen, you've never even come close to that, right? Mm -hmm. He's always been this sort of infallible person that Harry sort of sees as he can do no wrong and he'll always be here and he's, you know, stalwart. And now we're seeing him just an entirely different side of him. And that's sort of something that continues to be explored the rest of the series that you'll, I think you'll really appreciate. Nice. The other thing is, it's, I think it's Dumbledore kind of coming to grips with one way or another, he's not going to make it out of this. Whether he dies trying to obtain the Horcruxes or destroy the Horcruxes, or we learn that he knew about this Malfoy thing the whole time, and clearly him and Snape have talked about this plan, because when Snape, spoiler alert, when Snape kills Dumbledore, it clearly seems to be something that the two of them have talked about and premeditated. You know, hey, if we get in the situation where Malfoy's got to do it, you're more important as a double agent than me, so you got to kill me so that you don't have to die or whatever because of the Unbreakable Vow. I think it's also Dumbledore kind of coming to grips with the fact that he might die pretty soon because things are ramping up, but that's okay if it means Voldemort is stopped. And he even realizes that before they go on this journey because he gives Harry that warning, if you got to turn back and leave me to die, you have to do it. So I think that could be the other element of the vulnerability is Dumbledore realizing this might be the end. And that's okay, and kind of coming to grips with it. Yeah, and he is very okay with it. You know, he talks all the time about how death is not something to be feared, and death is the sort of next step, and fear of death is not fear of death, it's fear of the unknown, et cetera. And sure. so I think, I, I think that's probably right, and I think that your analysis of this will definitely change a little bit as you finish things, uh -huh. but I don't think you're entirely off base. Okay, yeah. We'll see how it goes. Look at us having a meaningful discussion. Let's get back to dumb jokes. It was really hard. <laughs> <laughs> so Harry has never heard him scared before. He says, I don't want, don't make me, I don't like this, I want to stop, all kind of things like that. Harry continues to encourage him, and this is what he has to start forcing Dumbledore to drink the potion. <laughs> He's hype man. <laughs> so Dumbledore says things like, no, I don't want this, etc., etc. Harry refills another cup, keeps forcing him. Dumbledore keeps saying, make it stop, no, I can't, don't make me, etc., etc., etc. Is this not just your friend who makes you drink way more than you want to drink? Like, one more, <laughs> like, come on. My friend Kitty, who we were listening to this while we were hiking, as an audiobook, she described this as tricking your friend into drinking water and telling them it's <laughs> vodka, where you're like, no, 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 drink more, drink more. <laughs> Which is kind of like the opposite effect, where Harry is forced giving him something that's going to make him feel worse and telling him it's okay. And then that is the flip, where it's like you're telling someone like, oh, no, you'll get more drunk, but it's water so that they stay yeah, alive. Yeah, when he starts lying about what it's going to do, I think that's probably a better analysis. But right now, it's all just like, bro and bro and <laughs> Drink up, man. We get to the sixth goblet full, and that is when we learn that he's only halfway done. So Dumbledore's got to do another six goblets. Fuck yeah. And he's already gotten to the point where he's saying things like, stop, 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 stop. But then it gets worse. Dumbledore then moves on to say, not that, not that, I'll do anything. There's more anguished screams. And then we get into Dumbledore saying, I want to die. Make it stop. I want to die. And then he screams, kill me, which it's getting very real. And this was one of the times I kind of wished I was reading it instead of audiobooking it because Jim Dale does a very convincing person pleading for someone to murder him voice. And it was honestly a little terrifying to listen to. So think about Jim Dale doing that convincing impersonation. And then I just want you to try and envision movie Dumbledore doing this scene and trying to envision it being successful. It's not going to be good. I do not have high hopes. Seeing of the, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire, he whispered. 
I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's gonna go very well. He actually whispers "kill me" in the middle. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so the weirdest thing in response to "kill me" is Harry, who has just been trying to say anything to make Dumbledore drink more, says, "This one will." And then Harry even takes a step back, like, "What the fuck am I saying?" <laughs> Dumbledore finishes the potion. He passes out on his face. And Harry tries the spell Renovate, which I'm guessing is just a revival spell, which we've never learned about before. No, I think I think they used it um, as the opposite of stupefy. If somebody gets stunned, oh, okay, that's how they that's how they bring him back. Uh, okay, so he tries that; it doesn't work. Dumbledore very raspily just whispers, "Water," much like SpongeBob in <laughs> the Sandy episode where he's in Water. the biodome. Water would be nice. Harry grabs the goblet ignoring the locket that is next to it. So they've done it, they've completed it. The locket, the Horcrux, is in the bottom of the basin. Harry does not grab it because he's too flustered by trying to save Dumbledore's life. I get it, but also... (sighs) By the way, I want this on the record. What is your official prediction of what Dumbledore was experiencing. Oh, uh, um, I think it was probably what I mentioned before when we were talking about what Voldemort could have done to these kids. I think it's just got to be just showing him his worst memories or his biggest fears or his most significant regrets, anything like that. Because I think some of the things he said was, it's not my fault, it's not my fault. So I think it just might be showing a montage of all of the worst moments of Dumbledore's life just on repeat. Okay. That would be my guess. And maybe manipulating them so that they are amplified to be worse than they actually were. But I think it's just got to be some sort of thing where it's just the worst thing that you can think of just on repeat in front of your face and you can't escape it. Okay. Do you have any sort of theory about what it is or do they tell us what it is later? I'll leave that to you. I'm not even going to tell you whether or not they tell you. Wow. Look (laughs) at you being big, big, spoiler-free boy. Okay. My nickname. (laughs) (laughs) Big, big, spoiler-free boy. (laughs) Harry grabs the cup, ignoring the locket, and uses Aguamenti to try to fill it with water, but when he hands it to Dumbledore, it's empty. He tries it again, it vanishes again. He keeps on trying it, and my fear here is that the basin is going to fill up with potion again, and they're going to have to do this again. Thankfully, (laughs) that doesn't happen. But Harry keeps trying and trying, it doesn't work, and then he realizes that the only way to do it is by getting the water that's around it, because Voldemort planned it as so. I don't know if this is correct, but it frustrated me that Harry touched the water after he was told so many times not to. I don't know what the logistics are of Aguamenti, but could he not have just done it into Dumbledore's mouth? I'm assuming the parameters are that you need some sort of cup because I think it describes Harry like putting the wand against the cup and then it fills. So I I think you need to have some sort of container specifically like you identify what container you want for no no there isn't because harry and hagrid use augmenti to put the fire out in hagrid's hut and it just shoots out of their wand you're right should have just done it straight into his mouth you're right speaking of like thinking of things that didn't make sense why didn't dumbledore take the potion in the cup drink it and then spit it out i guess the thing you can think of is that it is all intent based so maybe that much potion would fill back up in the basin but why not try? Why not try it? <laughs> you know, like you've got it in the cup. Clearly, if you pour it out, I'm assuming that Voldemort would make it refill. But like, why don't you put it in your mouth and <laughs> spit it out to the side? <laughs> Harry could just tell him something surprising every time he got in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just spit take stuff on repeat. <laughs> oh my goodness, I need a scene of it. So Harry goes over to the water, fills the cup with it. It doesn't vanish and it works. So that's nice. But A slimy white hand grabs Harry and then tries to pull him in. He breaks free and then realizes that a bunch of Inferi have started to come out of the water. So he hits the one grabbing him with Pentrificus Totalis. And he kind of runs away, throwing a bunch of hexes at him. He's sitting him with all of the greatest hits. He moves on to Sectumsempra, but that doesn't do anything because they're dead and they're zombies. And it's not gonna, come on, Harry. There's no blood, there's no blood. You can't make them try to bleed a lot. That's not how it works. As he is fighting them off, a giant ring of fire erupts, which, of course, this has to be Dumbledore, and the Inferi run away. We learn that it is Dumbledore. Dumbledore makes Harry and himself encircled by the ring. He keeps it going around them as they kind of stumble into the boat and start to go across. Now, here's something, and we both checked, and either we're both dumb and we've missed it, even though we both read it thoroughly before we started recording, 
They never say who grabbed the locket or if anyone grabbed the locket. Yeah. Do we just assume Dumbledore got it because he... That, that would be the assumption. Because if Dumbledore had his shit together enough to do this fire charm, I would assume he drank the water, felt better, got up, grabbed the locket. We do know that Dumbledore, you know, when Dumbledore is dead at the base of the tower, that the locket is next to him. So Dumbledore definitely had it on him, and there's never a point described in which Harry gives the locket to Dumbledore. But the narrator never explicitly says Dumbledore grabbed it, or there's never a quote where Dumbledore's like, oh, by the way, I grabbed it. It definitely reads like a classic setup for like, oh, Fuck, we forgot the locket. I really thought that that was going to happen because they made a big point to mention that Harry did not grab it, and then they never explicitly say that anyone grabbed it. So I really, really thought that that was going to be the setup. They were going to get all the way out, and then Harry was going to realize, no, no. So the two things I have to say about that scene, one, I'm going to read a passage. When he thinks he's going to drown, he says he was sure that, quote, he would become one more dead guardian of a fragment of Voldemort's shattered soul. Very oh, gripping. What a cool title as an inferior. <laughs> <laughs> the second thing is how badly do you want to see a cut of the movie with this scene, which I And then Ring of see. Fire playing yeah, in the background. <laughs> I knew you were going to make that joke. <laughs> I need it. It'd be so good. And he's just like whipping a bunch of Inferi with the ring of fire and just going all around. And it burns, burns, burns. (laughs) 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 Inferi dancing at one point. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, the comedic relief Inferi is dancing. His head is on upside down or something. You know there's a comedic relief Inferi in there. (laughs) (laughs) There always is one. Oh, that was, gosh, I need it. I'm also kind of imagining, like, a Scooby-Doo set up in this cave with, like, you know, the hallway when they run into one door and out another one and the uh-huh. inferior, like, looking for him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the Ring of Fire is covering them and keeping them safe. They get in the boat. And while they're going across, Harry apologizes. Oh, oh sorry, I forgot God. about the whole fire He's thing. So I got spooked. stupid. <laughs> Literally three minutes ago. <laughs> He's not the best chapter for Harry Potter. <laughs> He's not <laughs> a very good chapter for Albus Dumbledore. Not the best Harry Potter. Very poor performance chapter. in the cave from Harry Potter. Dumbledore A plus. Harry Potter F minus. Yeah, he was brutal. I mean, no, you got to give him some credit for not giving in and continuing to force feed Dumbledore. So maybe C minus, slightly below Harry. average. When the inferior show up, use fire. Three minutes later, Petrificus Hotel. <laughs> yeah, you know Incendio. Come on, dude. When they cross, Dumbledore stops the ring because he realizes they're not going to attack him anymore. And the boat sinks back into the water. Dumbledore sighs and says, I am weak. Harry says, don't worry, I'll get us back. Lean on me, sir. Dumbledore is proud of Harry. He also goes on to say that the protection was well-designed and said that this is not something that anyone could do alone. So I'm glad that you were here and I'm glad that you were able to make this happen. So gotta give credit, Harry did at least let them complete their goal. Even though he almost screwed it up a couple times, they got through and they made it happen. He could have brought anyone, though, like... I mean, I guess he couldn't have brought anyone over 18 or 17 or whatever. Exactly. He would have had to bring a kid. And I stand by the fact that I don't know that Hermione could deal with a pleading Dumbledore to force feed him the potion. I think that's right. And I think that, you know, I I guess he can't trust the the whole Horcrux secret to like Hufflepuff, Joe Schmo. Yeah, that's the other thing is Harry fathoms and fully understands how important this mission is and how evil Voldemort is, and how severely they need to get these horcruxes, where you would think Hermione understands this, but something just tells me, I don't know, given all the stuff that Harry's been through and the fact that Harry has fought Voldemort in person a couple of times, that I think Harry is a bit more suited to deal with your idol saying, kill me on repeat, which can't be easy at all. Yeah, wow. Remember the Sorcerer's Stone when the staircase moved and it was fun? (laughs) (laughs) It's such a different, it is, the series is so different. Remember that era when it was like, oh, the paintings talk, what fun? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the glory days. So they get back to the door. The door is sealed. Dumbledore is like, oh, right, hand me the knife. Harry goes, no, 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 I got this. I cut my arm on a rock. Make himself useful. (laughs) (laughs) So they use the blood from Harry's arm. And they get through, and Harry says, I can get us out. I can apparate us out. Don't worry. And Dumbledore hits him with the sweetest line and says, I'm not worried. I'm with you. And a million tears rolled down my face. A million tears, but also 
after his performance in this chapter, <laughs> after his C minus performance, really? You're not worried? Yeah, the th- I was a bit concerned. Yes, Harry has quote unquote apparated a couple of times. He's never done it. He's never even tried outside of the lessons in class where I don't think he ever successfully did it or he did and only went a couple of feet. Harry's never done a full-fledged apparition before. And now he's tasked with not only apparating himself all the way back to Hogsmeade, but also Albus Dumbledore. What if he splinches Dumbledore's head? Dude, I had the same (laughs) thought. I actually wrote that down. (laughs) What if he splinches? Of all the times to splinch somebody, this is like gotta be the lowest on my list. (laughs) Oh, oh, my leg. Missing a Uh, leg. (laughs) Get me some Skeletor. SpongeBob, third reference. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Dumbledore could do some crazy stuff to regrow a leg faster than Skeletor. But yes, it would be the worst time for a splinch or to get stuck in limbo or anything like that. But Harry can deliver under pressure, as we will see in the next chapter. And it's not anything to be concerned about. He's not worried. Yeah, he's not worried. He's with him, which is a great little flip of what Harry said to Ron and Hermione when he gave them the Felix Felicis and they said, won't you need this? And he goes, I don't need luck. I'll be with Dumbledore. So it's a great kind of awe moment where Harry feels fully confident in the situation because he is with Dumbledore and Dumbledore feels fully confident for some reason because he's with Harry. Man, Dumbledore got to go full stop badass in the few hours before his demise. He went out with a bang. It makes me happy that he really got to like show his stuff one more time. (laughs) You know what I mean? No, seriously. Yeah, he really put his best foot forward before yeah, no kidding. he put his feet his feet in the grave. Watching him solve the like magic puzzles or whatever the hell was in the cave is just like probably one of my favorite parts of the whole series, just watching him like do his thing. It's so cool. It's basically a better version of Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah. It's Dumbledore Jones and <laughs> <laughs> Dumbledore Jones and the evil cave of death. And the cave of dead bodies. Yeah, and the cave of Inferi. <laughs> Dumbledore Jones. It's one of the things where you know Harry's going to tell this story to all the Weasleys and Bill is just going to lose his mind. (laughs) Bill Weasley's going to freak the hell out when he hears this. He's just brilliant. He's the most brilliant wizard. And it's sad that in the next chapter, we will see him die. But... That is the end of this chapter, and that's also the end of this episode of Potterless. So, Johnny, how are you feeling about Chapter 26, The Cave, a.k.a. Badass Dumbledore Jones? I mean, I think, A, you summed it up right there. (laughs) B, B, the contrast, again, between the beginning of the series and where we're at now is very, very striking to me. And even really the third book compared to where we are now is just Mm -hmm. night and day. Um, I think she's sort of showed her dark streak in the fourth book and then mm-hmm. has really, really doubled down here. Yes. I think this is probably one of the more well-written chapters in the whole series just because the way that she describes the feeding of the potion and Dumbledore's reaction is very visceral. It's very, very visceral. It honestly feels like you're there and the way that it is set up is very much like a movie like that or if you've ever played any of the Uncharted video games, it's very much... You're in this area with a particular goal to achieve, but of course, things keep coming at you along the way, and it's just alternating between really intense moment and then a calmer moment where we understand what's going on and what happens next, and then a really intense moment, and then a calmer moment explaining what's happening and going on, and then some crazy-ass action, and you've got to escape, and then you break free, and then you can kind of talk about and recap what happened, but it was really captivating to read, And this chapter even feels different from any other chapter because this was easily the most tense I have ever felt while reading the books. And it's the only time away from Hogwarts and away from Harry's friends where something like this happens, right? You know, every other sort of climactic moment in the series. Aside from the Ministry of Magic, but even that, you feel safer there because it's the Ministry, but this is evil death cave that we know nothing about except Dumbledore does. And even the maze, right? Like when Voldemort comes back, you kind of like have an idea what the threat is, but in the cave, it's just entirely like, holy shit. Anything is up for grabs. Anything could come out and you would be surprised. A giant ghost boat could come out of the water and you just have to say, yup, this is what's happening now. The flying Dutchman with Patrick on the boat. Dumbledore! (laughs) 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 So, yeah, it was good, and it was very intense, and I did not think that things could get more tense and action-seamy. Get ready for the next two chapters, because those two read 
just like you're in the most suspenseful part of like a Mission Impossible movie. But that is for next time. Johnny, thank you so much for joining along. Had a blast. I don't know if you have anything to plug aside from the bonus content that you've been on on Patreon for Potterless. Check out the American Ultimate Disc League. It's a professional Frisbee league that I used to play. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, man. Hopefully you get a lot of... We have talked about Frisbees before on the pod with Fang Frisbees. Those Fang Frisbees, man. Yeah. We don't play with fanged ones. We play with perfectly normal ones. How dare you, you dirty muggles. Well, Johnny, thank you so much for joining along. Listeners, thank you for listening. And until next time... As they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, before they chug that crazy hallucinogenic death potion, wizard on! (laughs) Does finishing this episode of Potterless mean you're all caught up and you don't know what to do with your life and what other podcasts you should listen to? Well, you should listen to other podcasts from Multitude. There's a plethora of good shows, whether it's my other show, Horse, Spirits, Join the Party, Waystation, whatever it is, go to multitude.productions and check out those other amazing podcasts from my beloved audio collective. Potterless was created by Mike Schubert. It is hosted by Mike Schubert. It is edited by Mike Schubert. It is produced by Mike Schubert, as well as Leanne Davis, Vika Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Erica, and Calvin Bauer, Sadie Bear, Jesse Horgan, Natalie Klobuchar, Deborah Wilkins, Klaus Lopu, Alex Stark, Rebecca Adamic, Frank Chiodo, Marchismo, Tori Larsic, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfelio, Jenna Dowsett, Kieran Webb, Luce, Nisak, Abida, Med, Caitlin Jordan, Pontolo, Benjamin, Bridges, Rosemary, Dodge, Jill Boulay, Marie Lee, Zikin, Ariel Burbro, Mina Rivadanier, Camille Doc, Anthony Bonarigo, Russell Dunk, Jenny Nilsson, Dustin Wolin, Cooch, Katie Rogers, Audra, Indiana Mercer, Eleanor Curlin, Sydney Cawthorn, Billy Hinton, Ross Ann Batamana, Micah Cole, Andrea Franz, Nikita Power, Colette Smith, Chrissy Hutton, Shrinu Unadcat, Lala Palmer, Chelsea Green, Taylor Armstead, Lovecash, Longer, Shivani Patel, Eileen Madsen, Cowmage, Cassandra, Aponte, Roxy Chaos, Amelia Cross, Sean Montag, Jeremiah E. Hurd, Sarah Nick, Jesus J. Morales, Ben Silver, Francisco Bautista, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Gabriel Medcroft, Jessica Ann, Natalie Jung, Arnagud Nadada, Brandy Baldonado, Melody McGinnis, Kristen Chavez, Jonathan Swanny, Zach Ross Klein, Elisa Figueroa, Daisy Curtin Stoddard, Jessica Jacob, Orchid Grower, Jonathan Fouad, Joe Harrison, Marcus Zeller, Isabel, Steve Trelor, Vivian Santos, Samuel Minor, Victoria Renee, Elena, Takari Aron, Darlene Ruiz, Brenda, Jackie Claire, Drake Perez, James Step, Haley Hastings, Marino, Braden Morrison, Mouster, Taylor Fulton, Hannah Shepard, Angelina Withard, Ross Marie Heisa, Peter Bemis, Maria Vega, Fona Zebner, Natalie Lozano, Hermione Hoff, Victoria Julian, Lee Ganji Singh, Alex Basholta, Brian Williams, Caitlin Sullivan, Cecily Togbol, Raul Avila, Julie Stuckey, Mohsin Siddiqui, Grace Riggle, Sammy Curti, Raul Pineda, Ingen Oddstotter, Mary Wynn, Brianne Wingate, Heidi Stoll, and Alexandra Consulver. Web designed by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Bettina Campomanes. You can find us on social media at facebook.com slash potterless, twitter.com slash potterless pod, and instagram.com slash potterless podcast. And you can find out a ton of new information about the show at potterlesspodcast.com. For bonus content, go to patreon.com slash potterless. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, a wizard on. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.